0: Hopefully you were able to take something home last week with you, something that was helpful. I hope you'll be able to maybe study your Bible a little bit differently from that. Um, that is, uh, I used that again this week. That process. So. Hopefully that will be helpful to you as you study your Bible. If you ever have any questions about some of these things, I would love, love, love to sit down with you, talk with you through those things. All right, let's have a word of prayer. We'll get right into our message this evening. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. It is a privilege to stand here and preach your word and proclaim it and study it. Father, I pray that tonight as we look at your word, your will will be accomplished in our lives and that we would do your will and accomplish your will with it father that we would not just be hearers of the word but doers only and father that we would go to a world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell we're studying of your perfect salvation through faith being justified and so father help us then to take this information not just be happy about it but go to a world that is dying and tell them about it reach out to the world around us thank you so much for all you do for us we pray all these things in jesus name amen Have you ever found yourself asking the question, what's in it for me? Anybody? is it just me? (laughs) What's in it for me? Most people ask this question about everything in their life, absolutely everything. If you're going for a job interview, it used to be, hey, what can I bring to the table? What can I offer? And now the question is, what's in it for me? How much money am I going to make? Do you have benefits, right? All of these questions begin to be asked, what's in it for me? Marriage, even, we ask the question, what's in it for me? Kids, I say, how in the world could you have kids and ask the question, what's in it for me? Come talk to me later. I'll tell you how it's possible. (laughs) You can get kids to do all kinds of things for you. It's great. Hey, daddy's really thirsty. Would you go get him a glass of water? It works. I can't believe it, but it works. What's in it for me? Hobbies, right? We do hobbies because we, what, what's in it for me? I want to rest, I want to relax, I want to do the things that I want to do. Uh, gym memberships, uh, I don't know, gun club memberships, I don't know what girls do. Um, sewing bees, knitting, I don't know what you call them, but nonetheless. Um, memberships, what's in it for me, right? I want to know the perks, I want to know the, the things. I mean, credit cards now, right? No longer is a credit card good enough. You have to have what's in it for me on top of you. You have to have the bonus points. And I used to have credit cards and have those bonus points. And man, I used to get all kinds of free stuff from it, right? Awesome. So much fun. What's in it for me? Church. Oftentimes we come to church and say, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? The list, again, I I say this almost every week, but the list could go on and on and on of all these questions of what's in it. For me Now be honest, okay? Be honest with me. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to me. How many of you have ever thought that about the Lord? Oh, we got a bunch of spiritual people here, all right? I'm raising my hand because I have thought that about the Lord. All right, God, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Most of the time we base our human nature is to think about the benefits, we base our decisions on the benefits. We outweigh the good and the bad. How are people gonna to react to this? Or how are people not gonna to react to this? Or how, how will my family enjoy this? And we, we ask ourselves basically this question, what is going to benefit me or those closest to me? And again, we base that what's in it for me question on what we want, okay? You say, well, duh, (laughs) right? Follow, Follow along, all right? We base that's what's in it for me based on what we want, not necessarily on what we need. Okay, let me say that again. We base this question, what's in it for me, not necessarily on what we need. It's all about what we want right now, not necessarily on what we need. So if you're the type of person who can look ahead and see what you need, instead of what you want right now, you're way ahead of the competition already, right? If, if you're my age and you're already saving for retirement, right, you're planning ahead. You need to do that, you need to set aside, you need to provide for your family all the way through your life. So it's human nature to think this way and it's human nature for us to say, I want what I want right now, instant, right? That's why drive throughs are such a successful thing, because people want stuff right now. So we can be far ahead of the competition if we will just pay attention to what we need. Paul is getting ready to teach us the benefits of being rescued from our sin. He's going to point out a few things that we receive when we are rescued. It may not necessarily be everything our flesh wants, but it is definitely everything our flesh needs. I wanna do something a little bit different tonight. I want your involvement, okay? And I don't want you to be spiritual, all right? I want you to be you, all right? Okay, so I'm I'm not trying to trick you. I'm just trying to get some information, okay? So let me ask this question. Let's take some time and let's think about something that our flesh desires from God. What is something our flesh in service to god or we think there's a benefit that i want from god what is something that our flesh desires somebody just call it out health Health. good so i'm just going to write these in here okay that's good health what else happiness good what was the other one more money money. let's do prosperity just because it's a nice word what else friends yeah I had written down popularity so very good what else what's that recognition sure what else contentment good what else peace good security I'm running out of room one more do we have one more can everybody read my handwriting? That'll be a miracle in and of itself. Anything else? Let's see. I ha- How about comfort? Did we put that one in there? That's close enough. There we go. Now we got a full deck here. Okay? All of these things. Now I want you to look at this list. Are any of these things inherently wrong? It's not a trick question. Okay? I'm not trying to trick you. Are any of these things inherently wrong? No. No, I mean, to want health is a good thing. No, to want happiness is a good thing. To even want prosperity is okay. To have friends, good, recognition, again, to honor to whom honor is due, right? Uh, contentment. Paul says, in whatsoever state I am, there was to be content. Peace. Man, we want peace in our lives. Security. We all want security and comfort. We just want to be comfortable. Okay, none of these things are inherently wrong. However, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5 and I want you to look at verse 1. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Just two simple verses. But if you're in the habit of underlining things in your Bible, I want you to do this. If you have a pen, you're in the habit of doing that, I want to challenge you to underline several, quote, benefits of being justified, okay? So I want you to underline these words, here they are. I want you to underline justified in verse one. I want you to underline peace in verse one. I want you to underline, number in verse two, access. I also want you to underline grace. I want you to underline rejoice and I want you to underline hope and I want you to underline glory. Okay, now once you you finish that, justified peace, access, grace, rejoice or joy if you want, hope, glory. Okay, now when you've got those, I want you to look up here and look at these. Okay, we've got several words here when we look at this list. They are, these are incredible things to have, are they not? Okay, you're going to have to help me out, all right? I want, you, you're falling asleep already. You're tired. It's middle of the week. Stay with me, okay? When you look at this list, these are incredible things. They're incredible benefits, okay? Justified. We have a free slate, right? Clean slate, just as if I'd never sinned is often the quote, right? Just as if I'd never sinned. And then we have peace about that. Right, I know some people that don't have a peace about a free free slate, a clean slate. Um, We have access to God whenever we want, right? Awesome, Uh, grace, when I do something bad, there's grace there for me, okay? We have all these things. I have joy and rejoicing all the time, I have that. I have hope in great things and I have more glory than I could ever expect on the sports field or at work or in my family, I've got glory. Okay, you see all of these things, and if you were paying attention to my description of them, I just took all of those things, and guess what I did? I made them all about me. Oh, I'm justified. I got a I clean slate, and I have peace about it. Right? My life is so peaceful, and I, it's all good, and I have access to God whenever I want. And even if I do do something bad, I got grace, and I get to rejoice and be happy all the time and have joy. And I get to hope in amazing things, and look at the glory that's going to come from all of this. People are going to look at me and go, wow! I just took all of those things, and I made them all about me all about what my flesh wants, and I'm just going to be honest with you, we as Christians, we do a good job of this. We do a good job of taking the Bible and saying, okay, I'm going to, quote, apply that to my life, and yes, I'm justified, I have peace, I have access, I have grace, I can rejoice, I have hope, and I have glory. And by the way, you wouldn't be lying, but it's in application that we mess up. Now i want to walk you through these and show you how paul describes these things so look again with me in romans chapter 5 and verse 1 okay i gonna pull this up now therefore does anybody know what we do when we see the word therefore we go back okay so jump back up to verse 23 of chapter 4 the bible says this now It was not written for his sake alone, being Abraham, that it was imputed to him. It was imputed unto him for righteousness. It wasn't written for his sake alone, verse 24, but for us also. Why? To whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, therefore. Therefore, because of everything that happened with Abraham and because it was written for us as well that we might have a righteousness imputed unto us because all of these things were written, we can have righteousness imputed unto us if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe unto him who raised him from the dead for our justification. I want you to notice Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, because of all that, Being justified, being justified. So being justified is the word I asked you to underline in your Bible. Therefore, being justified. Here's the reality. Here's the good news. We have been justified. How were we justified, though? Okay, I want you to notice, I'm going to try and get this in here, it's by faith. Okay, so we are justified how? By our own works. I'm going to, we're going to keep drilling this home, okay? The Bible is very clear, Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 4. It is not of works, it is nothing that we can do, it is nothing, it is impossible, physically, humanly, uh, earthly impossible, but through faith we have it. Through faith. The question then is, who is our faith in? Go back to chapter 23, or verse 23, and verse 24, and verse 25. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is not in our body. Our faith is not in our works. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, we did nothing to deserve it. We are wretched, vile, vile, horrible, no good, very bad sinners. That's who we are. And we just get to trust God someone else to pay our penalty for us. So listen, justification is great for us, but we had nothing to do with it. We had nothing to do with us. With, with that, that just makes us justified. It makes us justified, but notice what else it gives us. Uh, by f- therefore, being justified by faith, we have, here's the next word, peace. By the way, this is one of the ones that somebody mentioned. Peace, we all want peace, do we not? Every one of us wants peace. Our world is looking for peace. It's starving for it. In fact, there are entire organizations that their sole purpose is to bring worldwide peace. We want peace in our homes. We desperately want peace in our families. We want peace in our extended families. We want peace in our neighborhood. We want peace in our town. We want peace in our church. We want peace everywhere in our lives. The world is starving for peace. We want world peace. But have you ever wondered why we need peace so much? Have you ever wondered why we even need it? Well, the Bible tells us that peace was disrupted in Genesis chapter 3. Peace was disrupted in Genesis chapter 3, the Garden of Eden. Peaceful place. Nothing wrong there. In fact, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. You didn't say, oh my. You walked with them. You fed them. You gave them and, and, and just spent time with them. It was, there was no fear there. It was just a peaceful place. And what happened in Genesis chapter 3 Eve took of the fruit, and she ate of it, and gave also to her husband, and he did eat. And sin entered the world. Peace was disrupted in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve upset the apple cart. Full pun intended. You guys are going to have to wake up. This is going to be a long night. When they upset the apple cart and they sinned against God. They upset everything. They upended the whole thing and they sinned against God. I want you to notice this verse here in Isaiah chapter 48. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. No peace with the wicked. Do you understand that? When sin is present, there is no peace. Let me say that one more time. When sin is present, there is no peace peace. This not only means physical earthly peace, right, which we're not going to have. In fact, the Bible says things are going to wax worse and worse, and there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and we're hearing about a war every single day on our news programs, and we see war all the time. And where there's wickedness, there is no peace. So this not only means physical earthly peace, but I believe this, but just peace with God. Our sin is against God. Notice this, we have peace with God. So listen, we want peace, do we not? We want peace in our lives. We want everything to go smoothly. We want everything to run right. We want to just feel like, ah, tranquil. Does the Bible ever promise tranquility? Not really. You know what it does promise? That in the middle of the storm, when everything's going around, there will be a refuge and a strength. A very present help in trouble. Listen, oftentimes we think about peace as nothing's going wrong, nothing happens bad. But listen, everything's going to happen bad. Psalm 91. There's going to be some bad things happen, but it shall not come nigh thee. You're going to be protected. Uh, there's storms are going to come, but God's going to walk with you through them. So what does this peace mean? It means peace with God. You see, you realize that sin is against God. and My accounts are not settled with God, and so therefore, I need to make peace with my maker. You've heard that saying before, right? He's got to make peace with his maker. Why? Because there's a sin problem. There's something going on, but I want you to notice this, and this is important, peace with God, and it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't make peace with your God. You can't do it. Nobody can. No human can. It can only be done through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in the habit of turning in your Bibles, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 9. I love the Bible. Go to Isaiah chapter nine. In verse six, Isaiah chapter nine and verse six. Somebody's gonna to have to tell me who this is about in just a second, so get ready. Isaiah chapter nine, look with me in verse six. The Bible says this, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government, guess what? Shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, guess what? The Prince of Peace. But it doesn't stop there. Look, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Who's that talking about? Jesus. Jesus, the prince of peace. Jesus, whose peace will last forever. Not just a temporary, momentary, circumstantial peace, but a peace that lasts forever. A peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, very famous passage around Christmas time. Luke chapter 2, look with me in verse 13. We pray for world peace. Check out this verse. Luke chapter 2, and verse 13, and suddenly. There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, watch, glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace. Goodwill toward men. Oh, we want earthly peace. We want peace all across the earth. The angels are foretelling that there is going to be peace that's coming. Peace, what kind of peace? All of a sudden, with the birth of this Child, this God-man, this God in the flesh, this Emmanuel, God with us, all of the sudden with this, guess what? Peace with God can be restored. No longer does sin have to reign in our mortal bodies. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, from Adam to Moses, death has reigned. But there's a second Adam. Guess what? He came. By one man's sin, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But by one man's obedience, life came. And that made peace with God. Listen to me this morning. I don't know what kind of peace you have in your life right now, your physical life, but you can always have peace and know that if you're saved here today, you have peace with God. Peace with God. And listen, in case you haven't figured this out yet, that's the piece of the puzzle that makes the world peaceful. That's the piece of the puzzle that makes the world peaceful. If, if I know that no matter what, I'm never losing that peace, then that makes my life a whole lot more Peaceful. But so often we look at this world and we go, oh, I want peace here and I want peace there and I want peace here. And why don't I have peace here and why don't I have peace here? Well, we ought to be looking up and saying, it doesn't matter what I have down here. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will somehow just grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's this peace that matters. It's peace with God. Once again, how do we gain that peace? It is definitely not of our own merit we gain it through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so right alongside of justification and peace, I want you to notice verse 2, we gain excess. Excess. I love this word. When I was in college, I was on, I don't even remember, work scholarship is what we called it. Everybody uh, at another college always called it Blue Crew, and that's what I had in my head. I was on work scholarship. And so uh, being an American, I couldn't work in Canada, so I had to work on campus, and I worked like 10 hours a week or something like that. It was ridiculous. And uh, uh, basically it paid for my room and board was the idea. And so anyway, long story short, I I eventually got like the third down from the master key. I didn't have like the master key to the girl's dorm, okay? <laughs> it's probably a good thing. I didn't have the master key to some of the offices. But I had, a, I had a key to just about every room in that building. And guess what, with access what do you have? Power. <laughs> ah, I got the key, I can go anywhere. I have access. In fact, it got me in trouble one time because somebody thought I gained access without permission. In reality, I didn't. We got cameras after that and saved me a whole lot of trouble. But here's the good news. By whom? Who's this whom talking about? Jesus, okay? I just stay with me, okay? Stay with me. By whom? Through Jesus also we have access. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ is the door by which we gain access jesus christ is the door by which we gain access john chapter 10 go over there with me john chapter 10 and verse 6 7 excuse me john chapter 10 and verse 7. the bible says this Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be what? Saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus Christ is the door. Jesus Christ is the door by which we have access. He is the access giver. What does he give us access to? What does he give us access to? Well, really, all kinds of things. He gives us access to all kinds of things, but look at how Paul describes these things. It's by faith because it's in Jesus Christ. But notice with me, we have access into what? This grace. This grace. Now, let me ask you, what is this grace? Well, in order again to find out, we have to go back. So let's go back to Romans chapter 5. You can even go into chapter 4 again. Talk about imputing righteousness. You can talk about faith being delivered for our offenses. Therefore, now we are being justified by faith. We have peace with God. We have access into grace. Listen, pretty much anything that God has ever done for us is this grace. Grace very simply just favor. Grace very simply just favor. It gives us access to grace. I love the song uh, uh, Showers of Blessing. Anybody remember that song? There shall be showers of blessing. I shouldn't sing. I love that song. So now I want you to picture the door, access. Jesus is the door. I want you to picture the door. And I want you to imagine grabbing the doorknob, turning it, pushing it open, and as soon as you push it open, you're surprised that it's raining in the room. It's raining. It's pouring. It's almost like the windows of heaven have opened. And there are showers of blessing. So this isn't a rain that just gets you wet and you feel gross and disgusting and smell like a wet dog. That's not that kind of rain. It's the kind of rain that God's showering you with grace. God's showering you with blessing. He's pouring it out. The windows of heaven are open, and God just pours it out on us. Now, we love this picture, don't we? Ah, come on, God. Give me some more, right? We want more. We want more. We want more. Give me more blessings. Give me more blessings. Just turn it on. Let the tap turn on, right? That's what we want. And that's how we look at this grace. That's how we look at this blessing. And we want this to happen, but here's the problem. We want this to happen so that we can consume it upon our own lusts. You see you see how we turn God's blessings into all about me? God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. I want a new car, I want a new whatever. I want this. I want that. I need more money at my job. God bless me. God bless me. God bless me. Listen, the grace of God is not bestowed upon us so that we can do what we want with it. Let me say that one more time. The grace of God is not bestowed upon us so that we can do what we want with it. I believe that when we do it that way, we're frustrating the grace of God. We're using it not for its intended purpose. I gave an illustration in our small group. I can take my laptop here, its intended purpose, and that's what I'm using it for right now. It's a two-in-one, it's a tablet and a computer all in one, or I can use it for a hammer. I guarantee you, I will get the nail in. My tablet won't be the same, will it? You see, we take grace And we think, man, I'm going to use this for my purposes, and what we do is we wreck what God has intended for us. You see, grace is not bestowed so that we can use it. Listen, grace has been given to be invested. Let me say that one more time. Grace is given to be invested. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. Ephesians 4 and 7. Ephesians 4 and 7. Verse 4 talks a little bit about context. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in the hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. But look at verse 7. But unto every one of us is given what? Grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Okay, so I want you to notice, grace and gift. But look at verse eight. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave what? Gave gifts unto men. Okay, so when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive, the Bible says, and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts. What were gifts given for? Again, I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time, but do you know what gifts were given for? Edification of the church. Let me say that again. Gifts were given for what? For the edification of the church. God gave grace to be invested. Let me ask you, how are you using your gifts? Pastor Holland just preached about this. How are we using our gift? Are we using it to fulfill our own desires or are we using it to fulfill and invest in the kingdom of God? 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Every man hath received the gift. Listen, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God of God. We are holders of grace. Pastor Holland also preached another message years ago called Grace Dispensers. We received grace from the Lord, we received uh, favor from the Lord, and most of us take it and what do we do with it? Well, thanks God, now I'm going to continue on with my life the way that I want to continue on and, uh, and we're going to pray for more and we're gonna pray for more grace, and we're gonna pray for more grace, when the reality is we don't receive more grace until we get rid of it, and we minister that to other people, and we give it to here, and we give it to there. We have access to God. We have access to God into this grace. What else does it entail? The Bible says that we can come boldly before his throne. That we might find grace to help in time of need. And so we can come boldly into God's grace and before his throne. And that's the grace God allowing us into that holy of holies. Now let me ask you something. Are we using that to get what we want? Oh God, please give me a new car. Oh God, please give I don't know why I always talk about cars, but I do. God, please give me a new car. I, just re- I want a really fast one so that everybody will think I'm really cool. I prayed for that. I prayed for a dirt bike like that for I don't know how many years. Guess what? Still don't have a dirt bike because I I'm asking that I might consume it upon our lust. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask and miss. So we're coming boldly before the throne of grace. All right, God, give me my dirt bike. I'm asking in faith, nothing wavering. We're trying to consume it upon our lust, or are we trying to use it for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? God, I don't don't know what you're trying to do here. But nevertheless, not as I will, but but as thou wilt. When we gain access to this grace, guess what happens? And when we stand in that, you can see that in this verse, look what happens. The Bible says this, Rejoice! Do you ever just feel short on joy? No, don't. I mean, just be honest. I'm telling you, as much as I have, and as much wonder the Lord has provided, and as much as I have a home in heaven, do you ever just feel low on joy? I do. Why? Because joy is wrapped up in my circumstances. There are people in this world, including us, that sit here tonight, that are looking for joy in all the wrong places. We just are. I'm looking for joy in my my spouse. Listen, no offense, because she is sitting here. But there are times where she ought not to be the source of my joy. I love my kids. But let me tell you, my kids are not always the source of my joy. Listen, I love the church, and sometimes the church is not the source of my joy, but I can guarantee you who will always be the source of our joy is the Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice. We rejoice. What are we rejoicing in? I'm sorry. I've skipped over a whole bunch. Go to John 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and verse 1. John chapter 15, and verse 1. The Bible says this, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it might bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing great passage now jump down to verse 11. jump down to verse 11. john's famous for these types of sayings look what he says he says these things have i spoken unto you why that my joy might what remain in you and not only that not only that my joy god's joy would remain in you but that your joy might be full the only way i can think of to describe this is take your classic vehicle right takes 87 octane right and it runs runs good for the most part but i want you to take that same car and i want you to put airplane fuel in it Ooh, baby now i don't even know if it runs i have no idea if it would even work but here's the reality you're taking something that you know genuinely we all have joy but you take something so supreme and you take that and you put it into this old, dirty, rotten, vile body. And guess what? Your joy is full. It's like you can't handle any more of it. It's overflowing. It's pressed down and shaken together and running over. God's just constantly giving. We listen. and We think. And we pray, give me joy give me joy give me joy give me joy and God saying no abide in me abide in me and I in you then you will have your joy full why because you have my joy you see you see how we twist it all up we get it all we get the cart before the horse We want want the benefits without the work. We want the benefits without doing it the way God instructed us to do it. And then what are we rejoicing in? We're rejoicing in hope. In hope. I love the word hope. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. We read this a couple weeks ago. Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be hope hope when there's seemingly no possible way there's hope when it seems like we can't go any further there's hope again i ask the question what is our hope in what is our hope in again i want you to notice and rejoice in hope here it is of the glory of god of the glory of god every christian ought to hope and rejoice in the hope that he being the christian is bringing glory to god do you ever just hope that you're bringing glory to god do you ever just like you're so passionate about it i I want you to think about hope in heaven Right? Like, no matter how hard this earth gets, no matter how much you want to throw in the towel, there's always hope in heaven. Hopefully, we can establish that. Maybe you're not there yet. But I want you to think the same way about glorifying God. I want you to think the same way about glorifying God. Man, God, here I am, filthy, disgusting, but I have this treasure in earthen vessels. Most of us want to take God's glory and say, hey, everybody, look at me. Look what I can do with the power of God. Look what I can do when God's working through me. Hey, everybody, look at me. I want to get the glory. But the glory ought to always go to God. You know that Satan is the angel of light? It means he's beautiful. It means he's awe-inspired means we know that he had power just under God. And guess what he did with it? He tried to glorify himself with it. Listen, we've got this thing all backwards. Let me ask you, when God is glorified, we are justified through Jesus Christ. And we have peace with him through Jesus Christ. And we have access to grace and we use it to produce fruit, which makes us rejoice. Why? Because we're glorifying Him. And then when God is glorified, somebody else is justified through Jesus Christ, and when you have peace, then they have peace with him through Jesus Christ, and then they have access to grace, and then God uses that grace to produce fruit in them, which makes them rejoice, and then they are glorifying God. And do you want me to go through it one more time? You see, when we get our focus off of ourselves and say, listen, it's no longer about me, it's all about him. It's no longer about what benefits I can receive, it's what benefits I can give back to him. realize that when we get to heaven, we're going to receive crowns? You know what we do with those crowns? We don't keep them because it doesn't matter. We cast them back at his feet. I said, it doesn't matter. So there are no benefits that can help me. What's your focus tonight? Is your focus on glorifying yourself? If it is, you will have such a shallow, shallow Christianity. Every step will just be shallow. Oh, sure you can be saved. Sure you can be saved. But your life will not produce much fruit. Your life will not lead other people to Christ. The benefits of salvation are not benefits to you, but they are to be invested by you for the glory of God. Far too many of us are like the wicked and our slothful servant. Who had one talent. What did he do with it? He buried it. He did not invest it. He was not thinking about what was needful down the road. What was he thinking about? He was thinking about himself only. I knew that you were hard and I didn't want to lose it. The benefits of God's salvation is not necessarily what we want. Oh, sure, it looks good. It's not necessarily what we want, but man... Is it what we need? But don't miss this. It's not only what we need, it's what the lost and dying world needs. Again, can you imagine a Christian living this way? Not looking for the benefits of himself, but always looking to take whatever God gives him and investing it back into the kingdom of God. What What would we see from that? What's in it for us? Man, there's a lot in it for us, but it all ought to go back to the one to whom it's all responsible for it all.